Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. The Gen Z Basketball Coaching and Sports Business Show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Coach Cam, good morning. What's going on? Good morning. How you doing? Doing great. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun to kind of jump into all the cool stuff you've been doing. I'm going to kind of just unpack, your, you know, your journey up to this point and kind of where you're at. So I'm curious, maybe just to jump right into the show, like what, what was the starting point really for your passion for the game? Like, where did that really come from? What made you realize that basketball is what you really wanted to do? Um, well, it came from my father. He played basketball in, in Columbus. He also went to Cumberland College, which is in Kentucky. And uh, from there, he continued to coach basketball, girls and boys at our high school in Kent, Ohio. Um, my mom also played basketball in high school as well. And uh, just growing up around the game, watching the games. You know, my dad tells a story all the time of him sitting there watching Jordan with me and me and my brother in both of his arms. So that's kind of how we grew up, just playing basketball outside every day. And that's kind of what sparked my interest. That's so cool. And I'm curious, maybe when playing, maybe at one point when you obviously you're, you're playing all, the, all this time, um, made you really realize that the transition to coaching is what you really wanted to do. Um, and, and, and that to be like that whole lifetime of coaching for you um, after you were done playing. But what point was that where you realized that that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, well, I, I kind of knew I wanted to coach my whole life at some point when I got done playing. Kind of the thing that did it for me was coming out of college. I was third in block shots in our school history, but I didn't average a lot of points or anything like that. So I signed the agent and it came back with some offers overseas for, you know, 20,000 for 10 months and things like that. And uh, I was just in communication with all the coaches that recruited me. And I, I let all of them know as well that I wanted to coach. And uh, one school that got back to me was University of Akron. And uh, they offered me a grad assistantship to come there and help coach as well, get a free master's degree. So uh, I kind of went that route instead of going to play. That's super interesting and because it's a decision or, or, or something that a lot of people have to face, right? They're done playing and they could play overseas, but they don't know what that would look like. They, right? There's a lot of uncertainty there. Um, or they could stay, go to grad school and, and, and be a grad assistant. So I'm curious maybe if you can go into maybe what your responsibilities were there, that, what that role was like as a grad assistant um, in the day-to-day. -day. I mean, so it's a career path that a lot of people, young coaches especially, uh, tend to take. Hey, Akron is a great time there. Uh, coach uh, Keith Danbrow is a great coach. A lot of good coaches there as well. Doing a lot of ground-level work, so... Uh, one of the main things I did because I was one year out of college was practice like every day, full court, practice with the team. Whenever um, they have enough guys to practice, I was practicing uh, individual workouts. I was playing defense. So and then uh, also have some time to work with those guys on the side as well. And then uh, in the office, just uh, helping with schoolwork, printing things out. I mean, even things like going to grab the coach's lunch and put gas in the coach's car, like. Uh, any any responsibility there is what you have to do if you want to work your way up. Definitely. So then obviously I noticed uh, the really cool thing was right after, after a year of doing grad assistant, you got that call to the next step, uh, going to the NBA with the Atlanta Hawks. And, and I'm really curious about, about what that transition looked like because it, it, it's not often where obviously uh, someone super young makes that jump right so quickly. And I'm curious as, as a grad assistant, maybe what kind of prepared you uh, to make that leap and, and what it looked like there? Um, what kind of prepared me to make that leap was just a, a full life of basketball from early on to, up until that point. It's funny, like the game really never changes that much, like from, from middle school to high school, like the speed will change and the skill level will change, the talent level for sure. But at the end of the day, basketball is kind of just basketball. So that's what kind of prepared me for that jump. But kind of going back to that, I was going to start my second year at Akron. Got a call from assistant coach at Bowling Green where I went to school at. 
He said that the Hawks were looking for a big guy to help out in the video room. I sent the email, sent my resume and, and all that. Uh, had a couple phone interviews. And then I, I flew down there on a Friday. They flew me down. I helped with the workout and interview with some of the coaches. And they, they had somebody take me back to the airport. And when I got back to the airport, I got a call saying I got the job. So that was uh, kind of one of the craziest experiences in my life. You know, basketball fan and player, when you go in there, you know, Coach Bud is in there and you have so many great players like uh, Horford, Paul Millsap, Jeff T, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Corver, just a whole bunch of great players. You kind of, you kind of starstruck when you go in there because at the, at the time I was 22 years old, it's like, you know, I was just playing 2K watching with these guys the other day and now I'm kind of in, in the gym with them so it was kind of a great experience oh god definitely definitely so cool and, and it's surreal to kind of imagine being in that room and a lot of listeners may forget that so you, you went there it was September 2015 but that year you were about to go into was the year when you guys won 60 games and had, had, had an incredible regular season I'm curious maybe even before that obviously that season was great and, and there was a lot of I imagine great basketball played in Atlanta but in terms of, of what you were doing I'm curious because you're, you're only 22 which is at that time um do, you know in a role like that working with an NBA team is, is fantastic I'm curious obviously you so you did some player development there too and that's something normally obviously NBA staffs are so big they have multiple video guys multiple play and right everything's kind of spaced mm-hmm. out and people have their own lane uh you were kind of doing a little bit of both so that's what I, i'm super curious about and, and how that worked especially with someone so young that they kind of gave you the reins to do so much well um my, my role there i was player develop i wasn't a player development coach i was a player development assistant so what i did was i worked with the player development coaches on kind of ways to get those guys better, whether it was like taking shot charts or finding film. But mainly that job consists of being on the court with the guys, kind of having to guard those guys every day when they're shooting, put a hand in their face. And, you know, kind of the whole time when you're there as an assistant, a young guy, you're just kind of taking mental notes and you're going back to the office and, and you're writing down workouts and things that you saw. So that one day when you have the opportunity, you can kind of replicate and do those things. Oh my God. I mean, definitely. And I'd imagine that that time with the Hawks, right? There's so right. Whether it's the, the winning, winning games part of it, whether it's what you're doing day and day with the team must have been, must have been super cool. And then from the NBA, obviously wearing so many hats with the NBA team at, at such an age, something super rare, but I'm curious as to maybe how that helped you when you went, went to the G League, right? With the Erie Bayhawks. Now you're an assistant coach, right? Doing, doing in a bigger role in that sense, but also kind of just having all that experience from when you were with the Hawks. So what, what did that transition kind of going from the Hawks to the, to the Bayhawks? Um, it's kind of funny, right? You're kind of sticking yeah. with that theme of the Hawks. What did it look for you? The thing about um, going to the Atlanta Hawks was, um, but prior to that time, especially at Akron, all I was really doing was playing against people, you know, using my size to play in practice and, and that type of thing. But when I got to the Hawks, I learned how to use sports code and do video work. So I was able to help out with scouts and help the coaches put scouting reports together. And that's kind of the biggest thing that, uh, and along with the workouts, like I mentioned before, and uh, helping out in practice. So when I went to the Bayhawks, I kind of already had an idea how to do all that stuff as far as like put my own scouting reports together, run drills and practice. But then I just had to kind of make it my own, you know. So you learn from some of those great coaches over there. I mean, Coach Bud was there. Uh, Taylor Jenkins was there, who's in Memphis now. Uh, Kenny Atkinson, who's formerly the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Darvin Ham, just, just so many great coaches. And you learn from them. But when you take an opportunity like that goes to the G League, you kind of have to find your own way to do those things. So. That was kind of what was so great about that experience. Definitely, with much smaller staff, you definitely have to find your own way to do that. I'm curious, maybe you were talking about a lot of the, the sports code stuff you're doing. What, what kind of software you use? Like, how, how did can you kind of walk us through like maybe how that stuff um, on the back end really comes to life? Uh, yeah, so um, sports code is a very great program. I typically, most teams use it on the Mac computer, but what you're really doing is you're taking a full game of raw film and you're kind of just breaking it down possession by possession. 
And that's kind of how I started off doing it and learning the process because I, I really never done it before. But as you go by possession and possession, then you go into which shot came in that possession and who took that shot and where that shot came from. You're going through on the computer, you're labeling all these things and you're going back and you're looking at, okay, this is where this player likes to get their shot from, or this is what this player does most to be successful. And you're taking those clips to put those into a personnel edit. And that's where the players before the game or prior to the game, they, they go in and they see, okay, this is where they, this guy likes to get their shots, things like that. And uh, you're also, as a coach, you're noticing trends. So uh, I recognize this set. I recognize that set. I'm going to put those together and find the best clips to show the team. And then when we go to the floor, I'm going to walk through those clips with the team. So that, that process is, is probably my favorite process. It's, it's very uh, tough process. It takes, you know, hours and hours to get that stuff done. You're, you're coding sometimes uh, four or five, six games for a team. But that's also my favorite process because it's just that that work and then that finished product when you go into in front of the team and you get to explain to them what's going on. You go out in the court uh, even more uh, during the game when you're sitting there and you kind of recognize the sets and you're calling them out. And then when the player comes to the sideline, you're telling them, you know, we watched that that clip in film and you know where that player is supposed to go. So it's really that kind of that technical part that I really love about coach. Yeah, I mean, I love that. And thank you for going into such detail about how that really comes to life. Definitely something that, that's super informative for me, for our listeners who, who may have to do that in the future. And it, it, it's incredible to kind of think about what, what, you know, someone in your position at the time was actually doing. I'm curious, though, we, we didn't really touch on it too much. Obviously, we brought, uh, I've brought up many times about how, how young you are, because that's, you know, with, with the theme of the show is just what's so incredible is young, your young coaches in, in that setting, in that industry, given the chance and kind of taking advantage of it. I'm, I'm curious, maybe because being so young, right, being 24, 25 at the time, right, a lot of these uh, guys in the G League are your age, if not older, if not considerably older than you. Um, what does that dynamic look like? Because obviously, so for me, I'm, I'm coaching, right? I'm, I'm 20 years old. My players are pretty close to me in age. And, and that's something I think a lot mm-hmm. of young coaches can relate to because that's just who you're mm-hmm. coaching. Um, but what did that look like for you in, in really building that relationship and, and kind of using your ages to an advantage to kind of get really close to your players, but also have that boundary of uh, you still have to keep it professional? It's a challenging process. And sometimes, you know, you know, when I got to, to Erie with the Bayhawks, I was 25 years old and some of the players were in their 30s, but also some of the players were younger than me and the same age. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, it's kind of a tough question, but uh, you just go through the process where you're trying to be your friend, their friend, and you kind of show them that you can help them get better. And uh, it's, it's, all, it's also one of those things where you mention something to help them on the court and when they do it, they kind of gain your respect. And especially during scouting reports, whether it's your scout or somebody else's scout, and they may ask a question about a play and you know what you're talking about. So it's really just uh, being on your toes and knowing what's going on to gain their respect. I'm curious, right, with being being so close to them in age, maybe what did that look like um, in terms of maybe with a specific player and, and really getting a strong relationship and, and maybe having that advantage as a coach um, to, to get so close and, and get the best out of a player? Going back to the days of Atlanta Hawks, I was 22 at the time. I believe Dennis, maybe I was 23, but Dennis Schroeder was a year younger than me. And uh, just going through the scout reports, you know, sometimes the guys are goofing off a little bit and they didn't hear what was going on or where they should be. And they might lean over and say, hey, what was this play or what was this number or where should I be? And you can tell them real quick. And, and that's kind of how I built my relationship with the younger player, just knowing what's going on. And those little things turn into, you know, I'm going to the gym to shoot tonight. Can you come shoot with me? And, and that rebounding in the gym at late night turns to, you know, can we do this workout or can we work on something? And that's kind of how you gain respect to the younger players. 
Well, that's huge. And, that, and thank you for that, that specific example, because it really does paint the picture of, of what that might look like for a young coach in, in the NBA or any other league really in the world. Thinking about then, obviously going right after that to the Grand Rapids drive, right to the Detroit Pistons G League team. Did your role with the, the Grand Rapids drive kind of change from what you're doing with the Erie Bayhawks? What did that really look like for you? It was pretty much the same role as assistant coach in the G League. When I was in Atlanta, Malik Rose was in that front office, and uh, I was helping him out with draft stuff and draft prep and uh, all that stuff. And um, he uh, he took the job with the Erie Bayhawks as the GM there. And then he also, from there, went to Detroit with their team. So he brought me on there, and that, that was pretty much the same kind of role. But the one thing is that every, every team does things differently, you know, so the video – uh, how they edit film will change, how you present scouts will change. And that was the only thing I had to really get adjusted to. Oh, uh, definitely. I'm curious. So you brought up the G League draft and it's something that maybe a lot of people don't really, uh, really understand. And I've had uh, when, when Nick Lay just came on the show, um, he obviously does a lot of draft. He does everything maybe for this for the South Bay Lakers. And we kind of went in um, a little bit um, in depth on kind of how that process works. But there were still a lot of questions left unanswered, really, because there's just so many intricate details in that process. Can you kind of talk about maybe your role? Because um, the G League draft is maybe so uh, different from the NBA draft in, in terms of uh, what you guys were looking for and how that kind of uh, whole process kind of plays out. Yeah, well, the G League draft is it's really an interesting draft because, I mean, some of the guys, they don't play, you know, high-level D1. Some guys play D2. Some guys come from overseas. So um, what the GM normally will do is, is kind of give you a list of, you know, the top 40 or 50 guys that he wants to uh, look at for a certain position. And what we do is we go into uh, certain programs. What we do is we just watch film, keep watching film and evaluate and kind of figuring out who's the best uh, prospect for that position. You know, we pick our top five prospects and then hand them over to the GM and head coach. And then they will kind of go on the side from there. Oh, I mean, it's, it's really cool thinking about that role in, in, in the G League and, and preparing that. So um, I'm curious, maybe looking at maybe everything in, in totality, I'm curious, right, still being a, a super young coach, but obviously having that experience of kind of being thrown in the fire and, and doing things in that way. Um, what's some advice maybe, if it wasn't too long ago, but that you would give yourself maybe when you were a grad assistant um, in terms of how to maybe handle yourself in the, once you would get to the league in a, in a year um, and, and, and what kind of would, would be best to make you the best coach you could be that you know now that maybe you you kind of knew them, but, but didn't fully understand cherishing every moment a little bit more. I mean, I was pretty active as a coach, very attentive, but there's so many things that you can pick up from some of those great coaches. So probably get in their office more, asking more questions, kind of figure out their journey more, kind of how you're doing with this podcast, but just figuring out more uh, details, more information, because some of those things that I probably could have or should have asked could have helped, helped prepare me to the next level. I mean, 100%. And it's really good advice in thinking about how you really could, could navigate that that whole process and just going going through everything, right? You've worn so many different hats. You've done so many different things. I mean, it's, it's so cool to kind of think about what, what a young coach really could do in the industry. And really want to appreciate that. Uh, and thank you for coming on. Um, and I can't see, I, I can't wait to see what's next for you. Really excited for it. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.